Yo, what's going on, everyone? I am Tommy, and that is Gary. Noodles. A quick shout-out to everyone listening today, and we just want to say we appreciate all you guys who are supporting. We plan on having our first guest onto the show within the next week, and we're extremely excited. For those of you who are listening, feel free to shoot us a DM on our Instagram account, at First Team All Podcast, with any questions or topics you want covered, as well as any guests you would like to see on the show. So back to business. Gary, how are you doing today? Que pasa? Oh, thanks for asking, my guy. Everything is going great over here in the world of Gary. How about you, man? How was your weekend, Tom? You know, it was great. I got to get out on the golf course with Pops. Uh, didn't play my best golf, but I really enjoyed getting out of the house. Hey, man, I feel it. You got to love being able to go on the golf course on a weekend with Pops. But uh, the big question, did you secure the dub? You know, that's a touchy, touchy subject there. I had about a one-foot putt to win the round, and Jeff mid-putt yelled, Bogey Bogdanovich, and I, uh, <laughs> I may have shanked the putt. So it kind of depends on who you're asking. You ask me, I'd say yes. Ask Jeff, we tied. But, you know, shout-out to Jeff for the round of golf. Uh, gotta love that guy. Yeah, shout out to the ultimate guy of guys, Jeffsters. I, I do feel like that's a great segue into what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about an exciting weekend of golf, whether or not we can expect college football this fall, and finally some more bubble basketball. All right, so an interesting story from this weekend was Brooks Kepka taking a shot at Dustin Johnson when he made a remark about DJ only having one major win and doubting his ability to close out for a second. Uh, Brooks followed by confidently stating he believed in his chances moving into Sunday. And uh, Kepka entered the round uh, a couple strokes behind the leader, DJ, and completely fell apart Sunday, shooting four over par and finishing tied for 29th, where DJ followed up his third round with a solid final round, finishing tied for second behind the winner, Morikawa. Yeah, man, I kind of like Brooks. I know he didn't perform that well, but uh, taking shots, you don't really see it in golf. It's more of a, a gentleman's game. It's also funny to see him, him taking shots at Bryson DeChambeau about all the science DeChambeau uses. So I thought it was kind of funny to see. Uh, obviously, it's kind of hard to talk a little smack when, when you don't perform well on the weekend. But uh, before I go in depth on, on Colin, I just want to say how excited I was with this weekend of golf. It was really competitive uh, coming down to the late stages Sunday. At one point, there was a seven-way tie for the lead with less than nine holes. Uh, it was nice to see some some older heads like Jason Day and Paul Casey in the mix. But for me, the most exciting part was all the young talent uh, with guys like Cameron Champ, Matthew Wolf, Scotty Scheffler, uh, obviously Morikawa, who won. But really, all these young, talented stars uh, and really the game of golf in general all have to look to Tiger and, and thank him for you know what he did in the 2000s to really – move golf the way it has uh speaking of tiger he unfortunately finished tied for 37th the tournament he struggled a lot putting on friday which uh led him to only being one shot above the cut line so he didn't even uh, he almost didn't even have a chance to play this weekend uh, before i talked about driving accuracy was going to be a huge factor he was 33rd in driving accuracy which would put him just slightly above average the uh, the nice part to see from from tiger was he did finish a three under 67 on sunday so on all in all, all in all, I would say it was a pretty pretty okay week from Tiger, but I, I can say I wasn't too surprised with what I saw considering how little he has played this year with some of the back ailments. But I wanted to give you guys an in-depth look into Colin Morikawa's winning week. Uh, one big factor, like I already mentioned, was that driving distance and, and accuracy. He was tied for 40th off the tee as far as distance, but he was first in driving accuracy, which put him in great spots all week to really go after these pins, which led him to be first in strokes gained putting. 
Um, and, and the biggest staple of this tournament, and I think people are going to remember from years to come from Colin, was his huge drive that he had on the reachable par four 16th hole. He ended up making eagle uh, on a hole that was averaging over par for the weekend. So that was that was nice to see, and I'm sure he'll, he'll love to look back on, on that moment. Yeah, that was a beautiful shot by him. Uh, yeah, so moving forward, Colin entered the tournament with 30 to 1 odds to take it home, and, you know, he did just that. So anyone who believed in Colin and bet on him, I'm sure is happy after this weekend's results. Uh, Colin joined the likes of Rory, Tiger, Jack Nichols as players to win their first major at the young age of 23, which is, is pretty nuts. As, as someone who is 23, it's pretty crazy to see uh, that little of, uh, of competitiveness out of someone like that. Yeah, it, it's weird now with us at 23, like you alluded to, uh, we're, we're either the same age as some of these guys like Colin or, or even younger uh, so he's got younger than us. So it's a weird, weird turn of events to see how, how sports gets viewed from when you're older than these guys. So speaking of these young guys that, you know, we're looking at, we could go into college football. Um, <clears throat> power, the power five commissioners held an emergency meeting late Sunday night. And it's looking like there's a lot of belief that college football and the fall sports season will be canceled due to COVID. Yeah, I know that the Big Ten met on Saturday originally as their own conference to discuss what is what is going to be moving forward, how it's going to look, and, and that they wanted to meet with the other four conferences and have them follow suit with what their plans were. Yeah, so I mean, I understand that they're worried about liabilities and, and the health of their players and stuff, but a lot of guys took to Twitter tonight um, talking about how much they wanted to play. One in particular, Trevor Lawrence, he was tweeting a lot. Uh, he was tweeting that he believes that the college football season um, will actually enhance the social distancing amongst athletes around the country. Really? Uh, did he go in any further of why he thought that was or, or maybe why you think he, he thinks that? Yeah, so uh, his thoughts kind of seem to be like if the players were held accountable uh, to quarantine during the sports season, that they would be in a safer environment compared to if they weren't playing sports where a lot of them wouldn't be abiding to social distancing uh, suggestions and, and things like that. I see. I mean, I, I guess I can understand it if you look at, for instance, like the NBA in the bubble, since all of those guys are in a specific location and they're playing, you know, they're abiding by, uh, you know, guidelines and everything like that to to stay safe and, and COVID free. But uh, I know Trevor Lawrence is, is the face of, of football to, to a lot of people. But uh, I mean, I, I don't think his his tweets are going to be able to save uh, college football season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I understand where he's coming from, and I'm sure there is a bunch of other players that feel the same way, but you also got to look at the other side of things where there's, I'm sure there's players who are a little nervous, don't want to play, don't feel comfortable, but also don't want to let the school down, the team down, uh, worried about maybe scholarships along those things. So I feel like as much as some of these guys want to play, you got to look at the other spectrum of things. Yeah, you, you bring up an interesting point I didn't really think about it as far as scholarships. I mean, when you add the element of just some guys around you are wanting to play and then you're that one guy or in a small group of people who don't, uh, kind of the friction or tension you have. But when you add scholarships, that adds a whole new dimension. And I think it'd be too hard to, to kind of figure out how to work it. I, I think it's just going to have to be the easiest and, and definitely the safest. It's just move forward and not playing football in the fall. Yeah, and as we saw with the NBA in the, in the bubble situation, as much as that's working, I can't see a scenario where college football is able to kind of get a bubble scenario where, where these guys don't have to travel and, and the likes of that. I just don't really necessarily see a way where college football is going to be playable. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, it's one thing when you have professional athletes when their only job is to you know play basketball, but when you add these college students and then you're going to put them in one specific location, I think it's just going to be too hard. And then if you want to spend it from the aspect of NCAA trying to make money, how much money are they going to have to shell out to, to house all these kids and, and to, to kind of organize everything? I, I'm not really sure what, what they would do as far as that. Yeah, that that's definitely true. The one thing I would say, though, as far as money goes, is you got to realize how much money the NCAA is going to lose if they aren't getting these televised games and, and things like that. Like, obviously, the NBA wanted to get the season completed, but you got to realize that a big part of that was, yeah, they shelled out a lot of money to create the bubble, but you know they're making more money with these games and, and the playoffs and things like that. Uh, that is true. That is true. I know the, the rap for the NCAA is uh, all they care about is money, and they might look at it as an investment if they invest into the players and players' safety quote-unquote, as far as putting them together in, in hotels or have they, they do the bubble to make the season happen, uh, that might be something that they try and push kind of hard. Yeah, so I know there's a lot of talks of all fall sports being canceled, maybe some winter sports. I could see maybe a bubble scenario where they kind of get the best NCAA D1 basketball teams together and almost get like a March Madness bubble going. I don't know how possible that is or if it's likely, but I mean, I can definitely see that working more than, more than a football scenario. Yeah, I, I could see it, see that. I still think what I mentioned, the issue of having the student athletes being students first, but, but the, the definite upside that they could use is the formula that the NBA used as far as, you know, what to do to get things working. Because as we've seen so far from the NBA, everything's, you know, moved pretty smoothly since everyone's been out there. But uh, I think when you add the equation of these being students first, it's going to make it a little bit harder to do. Definitely yeah, not possible. I, I hear you there. My one, my one thing would be is just a lot of these universities are actually going to be mostly online, if not all online, this fall anyway. So a lot of these athletes can do to, can do their classes from a bubble situation. Uh, you got things like Zoom and and other other avenues of which you can take your classes and, and be successful. I think that's a fair point. As someone who's currently taking uh, classes right now at a university, it is mostly online. So I, I think they could maybe come up with some way. I'm still not 100% sold that that's going to be enough for them. But uh, I, I, think it, I think it maybe helps that argument a little, whether it's enough to swing the balance. Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm kind of doubtful right now. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not sure how uh, relevant the NFL is going to be as far as making a decision, but it looks like the NFL is just going to kind of try and go into this full force. And we kind of saw the, the, the negative effects that the MLB saw. I don't know. I think, I think NCAA, NFL, I think they need to start looking at things, making some more precautionary steps and, and try and make things safer so that you could potentially get through a full season if you elected to do it. Yeah, I, I also think the nature of just – what basketball is versus NFL one, as far as how many people you have on a roster. I mean, basketball, you, you got 14, 14 guys on your team or right around there. And then obviously you have your coaching staff and things like that, but football, you have 50 something man rosters. I, I think just the exposure you're going to have uh, just leads to more possibility uh, of one person contract there. Just a close proximity of, of football in general, I think would make it, you know, harder to get everyone COVID free. So if you had to put it on the line right now, do you believe that the NCAA will figure out a way to play college football this season? Uh, 
shoot, I'm in some capacity. I think they'll get some games played. It might just be an only a conference thing. I, I know that was talk earlier. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Fifty-five percent. They get some games played. Fifty-five percent is what I'm gonna give you. What about you, my man? Yeah, like I mean, I asked the question, but man, it's a tough one to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just it's weird because this, the NCAA are in charge of these these student athletes, these young adults, and and I feel like it's almost wrong if they're putting these guys in in harm's way and danger as far as this pandemic. So. Personally, I mean, after after this late Sunday night call and, and the thoughts and kind of what's been coming out from it, I do not think there's going to be a football season uh, as far as NCAA goes. I think maybe there's a shot for some other sports, but I think football, like you like you alluded to, 50-plus man rosters, trainers, all that, I just can't I can't see it. I don't think so. Not this year. So, so you just kind of touched on it briefly. You think there's a chance that some other sports could be played in the fall? Yeah, so I'm thinking – I mean, early or end of the fall basketball or whatever, I think that there's a chance that maybe they do do something bubble-esque. I mean, another thing to touch on, though, as far as if they don't play a season, how does that work for uh, eligibility for these guys? Do they just come back another season? Can some of them just move on into the draft? Like, what what are going to be the answers there? Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but originally they were trying to figure out what they were going to do for basketball last season because March Madness got canceled. They decided not to give those guys an extra year. Is that correct? That is correct. So maybe maybe if a sport doesn't get to start at all, like they don't have any season that they have to, uh, I think would probably be a pretty easy thing to sell. I guess the, the tough part would be uh, about them being able to count it as a year of playing for them to move on to the draft. Because I know like basketball, you only have to play one year, or you don't have to play one year, but you have to spend one year between high school and going to the pros. But I know for football, you have to spend, I believe it's three seasons. Uh, it could only be two before you move on. So how they would count that, that would be an interesting thing to, to look at. Yeah, I know that's difficult for football because I know the NFL wants these guys to to kind of get to that physicality level, mature. So, I mean, it is a year on their bodies, but it also is a year away from the physicality of the game. So that is definitely something they're going to have to look at. I, I feel like technically they're probably just going to have to, to let them count it as a year, but that's definitely something that's going to be weird and definitely something to look at as far as moving on to the draft as well. Like a lot of these guys didn't get a chance to, to show off their skills. Some of them are going to ha- have to return for another year. So who knows what that's going to do with talent moving into the NFL for the next year to come. Yeah. And I mean, the one positive part about where, football or, or even basketball, some of these major sports, is they do a lot more pre-draft stuff as they did, you know, 20 years ago as far as the combines, as far as, uh, you know, the school's putting on a workout and scouts are coming out. You know, basketball, you have summer league where teams can, can get guys going out there that they're interested in. So while it's probably not as beneficial, I mean, I'm sure some guys would, would definitely gain a lot more from playing a season. I feel like for a lot of guys, there still is enough opportunities uh, in one form or another to get exposure that I think it's not going to hurt them too much for the majority of guys being able to move on to the next level. Yeah, so we're definitely going to have to have our eyes on this one because I think within the next month or so, we're probably going to get a decision from the NCAA as far as what the plan is moving forward. Definitely. I mean, the nice part is, is even if they just nixed the, the non-conference games during the season, while obviously there's some fun 
non-conference matchups, the majority of things that matter as far as bowl games and playoffs and stuff like that is how well you play in the conference. So even if they miss their first two or three games, I don't think it's going to hurt them you know, too much. So there's definitely is a little bit of time to figure stuff out, but I'm sure they want to figure it out sooner rather than later. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like I said, personally, don't think it's going to happen, but you know, if they could figure something out and keep everyone safe, I'm all for it. I can, I can agree to that. So uh, moving forward into bubble basketball, where first thing is the, the Dame Lillard versus Patrick Beverly and Paul George beef that happened the other day. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, you love to see it. I mean, with a guy like Pat Bev, he's always finding a way to poke and prod and get under people's skin. But uh, it, it's different when you come at a man like Damian Lillard. Uh, I know the interesting aspect was is, is Pat Bev didn't play in that game. It, uh, so it, it added a unique twist, which, which forced it to, uh, to turn to Twitter fingers, or, or in this case, Instagram fingers with the, with the beef in the Instagram comments. What, what was your thoughts on, on what you saw and what went down? Yeah, so if anyone didn't know the reason behind it, Damian Lillard actually missed two clutch free throws at the end of the game um, that had Patrick Beverly going crazy on the sidelines, acting a fool. So, yeah, they did end up going into the Instagram comments, and Dame spoke on it uh, just along the fact of he, he believes, which I actually do as well, that this really just shows what he's done to them over the years. And, and it's almost like a level of respect. They're, they're expecting him to be Dame time, expecting him to be clutch. So they're, they're so like excited and whatever, when he wasn't able to come up as he usually typically does. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's any more fuel that needs to be added to, to Dame's fire, knowing what they're playing for, but man popped off the next game, he dropped 51 on the 76ers who, uh, who I had going all the way to the finals uh, but that that put Portland a half game back of the eight seeded Grizzlies. What was what was your thoughts on Dame's performance coming back after after that? I mean, it was Dame time, man. All game long, clutch bucket, clutch bucket. I mean, he was out there on a little bit of a mission, obviously, to try and try and get his team into the playoffs or a playoff situation. But I think there's definitely some some fuel added to the fire with the issue with Pat Bev and Paul George. I think he came out with some some a little extra last night yeah i though i wish unfortunately with, with the way the playoffs are going to work out it, it doesn't look like we would get to see dame and pat bev hash it out on the court again uh with, with just the way that you know they're going to run into going to run into the one-seeded lakers if if portland does make it in but man i would love to see that matchup for up to a seven game series yeah and i mean i'm looking forward to just moving forward man no more buddy buddy in the nba i love to see these little rivalries and competition like this, and and Dame's Dame's been bringing it, man. When he waved off, when he waved home at OKC last year, like he's not a buddy buddy guy. He he wants the heat, he wants to be competitive, and you gotta respect that. And you know that's why he's my favorite current NBA player is for, for that exact reason. Yeah, I totally forgot about the what he's getting into it with Westbrook. I don't know what it is. People people keep going up against Dame, and and night in and night out, he gets to uh, he gets to prove him wrong and tell him that yo, I'm not someone to mess with. Yeah, he's he's a man on a mission. So um, back to that win, bringing them within a half game of the Grizzlies in the eight seed. Let's hop into some eight seed insight and kind of look at the couple teams that have a shot here uh, cl- closing the bubble. Yeah, so I know the Grizzlies hold hold a half game lead right now in the eight spot. They got the Celtics and Bucks left. Uh, how do you think they're going to fare with those last two games? Now they're going to be able to hold on to the eight spot. 
you know, I think it's really just going to depend on if the Celtics or Bucks decide to rest any guys. I know the Bucks clinching the first seed are potentially going to rest like a guy like Giannis in their final game before the playoffs. So they might catch a break there. Personally, I'm, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm worried. I'm not. I'm not certain they're going to hold on to that eight seed at all. What about the nine seed? Do you think they could lose both seeds and fall out, and not even have a play-in game? Um, I mean, that really is just going to be dependent on if they can if they can win one of these games tonight. If they lose both, I think there's definitely a chance that they fall out of the nine as well. All right, all right. We'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out on on those two games. Moving back to Portland, like we already said, they're half game back, but they do have the Mavs, and then they got the Nets. You think you think if they if they at least beat the Nets and, and see what happens against the Mavs, that gets them up and over the top to get in. Yeah, you know, I think out of all these teams, Portland actually has the the least scary two games left with the Mavs and the Nets. I mean, you got to respect Luka and all the things he's he's doing, but as far as seeing some of the, these other teams, I think they definitely have the best chance to slide into the eight spot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some Dame and CJ take over and, and they are able to close both these games out. I like it. Speaking about someone who can take over, how about the 5-0 and Orlando Bubble Suns led by none like other than D-Buck? I like that. You know, they're 5-0 and in the bubble, as you said. Um, just a game back of the ninth seed right now. Uh, their games remaining, Thunder, the injured 76ers, and the Dallas Mavericks. So, you know, they might go 8-0. No, we'll see. I mean, speaking of existence, they're putting in work. They're balling out. If they're able to go 8-0, I would just hope that they got a shot at that playing game. Because, man, imagine coming to the bubble, winning all of them, and, and not even getting a chance. Man, that would, be... that would hurt. That would hurt to see. Uh, I mean, I think it might come down to just that Dallas Mavericks game. I think, I think if, they, if they win it, I'm, I'm just going to assume that they're at least going to be the 76ers and then the Thunder. I think that's going to be a, a, a second play-in game. Win it and you're in. To, to the bubble battle for, for eight to get into the playoffs. Yeah, they're definitely the surprise of the bubble. And uh, looking forward, we'll, we'll, we'll get a first-team all-bubble, but you can count on it that Devin Booker is going to be on that list. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. He's got to find somewhere in the first-team all-bubble. So uh, looking at another team who's been pretty surprising here in the bubble, the San Antonio Spurs, who are only a half game back of the nine seed. Um Two games remaining, Rockets and Jazz. Both of those teams playing great basketball. Rockets resting Westbrook. Um, so you're not gonna you're you're almost not sure if you're gonna see a full healthy Rockets against the Spurs. But what do you think about these Spurs and their chance to make it in? Yeah, I I feel like they got the hardest two games coming up of any of these people who are vying for, for the eight or the ninth seed. Uh I just think with the lineup that they're gonna face um it's it's going to be too much for them to, to get wins over them, and I, I think they're not going to be able to make the, the ninth seed. What about you, my man? You know, I you can't bet against Popovich, but between the Grizzlies, Portland, and, and the Suns, they're going to have to win both these games. That's all I'm going to say to have a shot. And I, I have a feeling there's going to be a weird – a weird scenario where Portland has that extra game that they played pre-bubble, and I have a feeling that's maybe going to seal the deal and kick a team out here. I think there's going to be some weird things going on here at the 8-9 to before the playing games. That'll be interesting. I totally forgot about the extra game that they have. Uh, I know that they already 
you know, came up with tiebreakers and things like that. We'll see if we'll see if that's the difference. What a crazy way to end your season if you're the Spurs. You lose because Portland played an extra game before everything went down. Yeah, that would be hard. And then uh, while we're talking about all these teams who have a chance to make in the playoffs. Uh, over the over the weekend, there are two teams' chances are gone. Uh, once again, uh, I'm gonna let Tommy have Tommy's time when it comes to the Kings. Uh, wh- what do you got to say about the Kings and, and how their seasons ended? Oh man, so Kings Pels uh, both eliminated from any sort of playoff chance. Um, you know, you you wanna you wanna look ahead and, and see what's next. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know be I'm in my feels a little bit. Um, but I think it's time for, for a big change with the Sacramento Kings. You know, I'm calling for Vivek. You either need to, to fire Vlade, get rid of Luke, or you need to go too, and it's got to be a full, full clean house because this culture needs a change, man. Was it 14 years, 14-year playoff drought? I'm sick and tired of it. I know all Sacramento Kings fans are. We, we got a solid team. We want to see something exciting in Sacramento, and they're continuing to fail. Um, and I don't even know if it's a roster issue. I honestly think it's a front office coaching issue, and I, they just cannot seem to get it right. So if a Vex not willing to, to fire Vlade and fire Luke and, and get some new guys in there, I think it's time for him to go too and, and clean house. Yeah, man, I'm, I really feel bad for all – for you and the nine other diehard Kings fans who have watched the last <laughs> the last fourteen non playoff happening seasons. If we're gonna talk streaks, man, poor JJ Reddick, man's been going to the playoffs. Was it 13, 13 years in a row? And yeah, twelve or thirteen. Twelve or thirteen, and, and loses it. It's kind of funny. The two total opposite ends of of the spectrum as far as playoffs both got eliminated this week. Um, speaking about speaking about playoffs, I'm gonna ask you. Uh, we know the Lakers are the one seed. Uh, obviously, it hasn't been decided on who's going to be the A seed and who they're going to play in the first round. But who do you think gives them the best run for the Lakers' money? I think matchup-wise, you got to look at a team like Portland, man. Uh, front court, back court, they can match up well. Obviously, no one's going to guard LeBron James. It's going to be hard to guard Anthony Davis. But, I mean, the same could be said for, for Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, especially Lakers not having Avery Bradley or Rajon Rondo on the defensive end. Um I would be excited to watch that series. I think that they can definitely give them a run for run for their money, uh, beat them in the series. I mean, come on, but uh, definitely be interesting. And I think they would definitely be the best team to face the Lakers. So when when you say interesting, give them a run for their money. Are you saying that Lakers win four one and we called it a good run for their money as long as they game it competitive, or do you see this being a six game series? Like what would you what would you define a run for their money? And Portland can look at it and say, hey, you know, we really we really put our best foot forward and gave the Lakers all we could. You know, I would love to kind of see game one before I came out and said that just because I want to see kind of the scheme and and what the game plan is from both sides. But I could see five, six, six game series. Seven's pushing it. But like I said, who knows what the dynamic is? Okay. Okay. So I'll I'll, I'll give you what I'm thinking. I I could see I could see Portland winning a game and being being close in, in maybe a couple. But I, I think LeBron's not here to mess around. He knows what the goal is and. You know, this is kind of his lightweight, and he's just going to handle his lightweight and keep it pushing on to on to bigger and better series and getting a title. So I see I see the Lakers winning in five against Portland. I see maybe two competitive games. You know, obviously Portland's win and Portland will be close in another one, but they're going to handle their lightweight and keep them moving to the next series. I, I'm with it. I mean, you know, LeBron ain't no Michael, bro. He don't lose in the first round. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> 
Oh, hey, all, boy. All, res- all respect to MJ, though. But, you know, oh, my, my boy LeBron, boy. the GOAT, he don't lose in the first round. You know, he keeps it pushing. Whew, man. Coming with a spicy little <laughs> jab to MJ's head top. Any any final things you wanted to wanted to talk about uh, as far as the NBA? Uh, maybe just something small. Uh, Draymond Green was actually just fined 50K for tampering on his comments about Devin Booker and, and his opinion on how D-Book needs to get out of Phoenix. Um, not his place to say. I think he should shut up. But, you know, it is what it is. So, so – I mean, I could understand a comment like that, like it was like post game or pre game or weird. But where was Draymond Green at when someone asked him that question? For him to make that, for him to make that, his season's over. What is he doing? He had to have been on the couch. That's that's my assumption. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of crazy. I mean, I know they they won championships, you know, last few years. But to be telling D Book he needs to get out of Phoenix when he's got the Phoenix Suns five and zero right now. Oh yeah, I don't the, know. The Orlando know Bubble Suns are five and zero. What's he talking about? I mean, maybe he's saying he needs to get out of Phoenix and get into Orlando because okay. he plays really good there. Okay. Maybe that was his weird take. But, uh, but I mean, that's a, that's a very interesting way to get 50K fine when you ain't even playing anymore this year. So uh, funny funny to hear for sure. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. So uh, a new segment we wanted to bring to the podcast is where we bring attention to vintage sports stories. We're going to talk about old sports stories that happened either on this day in history or we'll just focus on interesting things that we want to shine light on and talk about. So uh, for today's segment, we're going to bring it back to August 10th, 1984, where Michael Jordan led Team USA to a perfect Olympics 8-0 while averaging a team high 17.1 points per game. What's crazy about this is this was before Michael Jordan ever played a game in the NBA, Was before he was even drafted. Uh, some notable teammates, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen. Um, so back in that time, Jordan recalled that playing while playing in his Olympic experience was exciting. Um, it was also trying because of Coach Bobby Knight. He said, Michael's quoted saying, I don't know if I would have done it if I knew what Knight was going to be like. Thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's I think it's pretty crazy. I also think it's kind of funny that you were you were sending some jabs at MJ, and now we're and, and now we're <laughs> praising him. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I think it was I think it's pretty interesting that you know his his interactions with Knight or the way Knight runs stuff really rubbed him the wrong way, especially when you, when you the way you look at Michael Jordan is nothing affected him, and he was able to overcome so much that he was quoted saying that. I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and and back to the MJ jab. You, you know where he's at on my list. He's number two. He's number two, but come on. You know who the GOAT is. You know who the GOAT is. Come on. I mean, I mean no arguments. No arguments. Uh, I'm a, it's I, all respect. I, I understand. I, I understand. I understand where you're at. But uh, I think that's going to wrap up our time for today. I wanted to thank everyone who tuned in and hope uh, all you guys have a great week ahead of you. And I look forward to talking some more, sto- more sports for y'all on Friday. One love. Peace.